Apple Presents Events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Carol Sovokul of the New York Post. You are in for a treat, not just tonight, but for the next eight Sundays when PBS Masterpiece airs Poldark. It's a rich retelling of the much-loved 1970s classic, and when it aired in Britain earlier this year, it received critical acclaim, massive viewing figures, Poldark fever ran rampant through the country, and there was not insignificant media attention to the leading actor, Aidan Turner. Please welcome Aidan Turner. Hi. Poldark, it starts with a homecoming. Yeah. Which should be a happy thing. Yeah. But then it goes all pear-shaped. It does. Yeah, yeah, totally goes pear-shaped. I mean, I don't know how many people have sort of seen it and stuff like it's right they kind of know I it's sort of important to get a feel for that too so I know I'm not like totally kind of like just stabbing in the dark a little bit but um yeah it's a it's it's a kind of a rough start for us um obviously coming back fighting in the war and and, and coming back to um a very different place uh, you know a place that's changed a place that he doesn't remember in the same way a lot has happened while he's been away and that's something that was interesting as an actor to deal with just what 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 he's gone through, somebody who was getting, you know, he was, he was heading down the wrong path. Um, <clears throat> you know, he was, he was, he was going to hang on a, on, a, on a noose and be convicted for rioting and all sorts, and he had to be enlisted in, in the war. And you kind of think he came back and so much had changed in, internally himself. Um, and he got promoted so quickly to a captain as well in three years is kind of unprecedented. So you sort of think, like, what did he see and what did he do? And, and then arriving in Cornwall to, to be... Uh, to the news that his father has died and you know his inheritance is in tatters and you know the, the mining industry is on its knees and the place looks different and feels different and he doesn't know whether he wants to be there anymore and I guess the only thing keeping him there is Elizabeth um, and this ring in his finger and then like imagine that like you imagine that happening like the first sort of half an hour that you're home you realize your beloved is you're, you're gay crashing an engagement party, you know, between Elizabeth and, and and your best friend, your cousin. Like it's 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 a rough it's a rough beginning for him. And like as we said before when we were chatting, like I think anybody else, I would, I'd be gone, I'd be off to London on on the horse. Yeah. I'd be galloping over the there. moors and I'd be out of there. Take the hundred pounds, Charles Poldark, thank you very much, and I'd be gone. Um, but he doesn't. Like his that moral compass that he has is is pointed so much so in the right direction and he realized that he needs to stay um, and that's a really noble attribute you know that's something that it got me in it got me into him straight away because that's the difference I think between me and him and it's a hard thing to say but it's it, he doesn't take the easy route you know he, he's he knows that he has to stay um, and he stays for the right reasons and he accomplishes a lot of them I think very quickly but it's an exciting start it to is, the series it is, it's, and, it's, and, and to Winston's credit too, like in the first whatever it is, you know, I don't know, a few dozen pages, we find this out and it's like, wow, we're, we're straight in there with this incredibly exciting story. Um, and reading the script as an actor, that was something that I knew straight away. People say, when did you make the decision? I'm sorry, I'm looking over everyone's head here, just having an hour think. I'm not really engaging. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but people ask, like, you know, how easy was it to, um, to make that decision? And it was, it was really easy because I didn't know anything about Poldark. But reading the first opening 20 pages, I thought, bloody hell, there's, there's a really exciting story in this. Um, yeah, and it got me in there. Uh, you, you just mentioned that you, you hadn't heard of Poldark, yet it was a much-loved 1970s classic, which... Yeah. 
Were you, were you not a, a bit afraid of, of like taking that on? Um, if I was really aware of it, you know, if somehow I had seen the series at the time or, or just come to a late and, and, and seen the 70s version and seen Robin Ellis and, and been really involved in it, um, possibly I would have been a little bit, yeah, I mean, it was, it was important. It just worked out well for me that I wasn't that aware of Poldark or what it was. I mean, that's, that's a true thing. When we were chatting before about, you know, did you know anything about Poldark? No, I Googled it when the offer came in. I literally was given the scripts, given the books, and they were like, do you want to play this part? And I was like, can you give me 10 minutes? I went, Jesus Christ, that's Poldark, bloody hell. I didn't know what it was. Um, if I did know, I might have felt that pressure, but you know, coming to a lace, I didn't. Um, it's not very useful as an actor, I think, sometimes as well. To, if you know how to harness that energy, you know, playing Batman, or yeah, fair enough, I mean, I guess, but it wouldn't have done me any favours on this one because it was so successful. Um, and Robin was pretty brilliant in it from what I hear, you know. He's brilliant now, I can imagine he was extraordinary in the, uh, in the role. It's such a great role anyway. Um, but not knowing any of that helped me, yeah, so I could just find it myself and I could do it myself. So you, you mentioned Robin Ellis, he actually has a cameo um, as a rather un, un, unkind, reverent house. Yeah, and yeah. So you got to not only act with him, but be on set with him. I mean, did he give you any advice? I mean, was it weird at all? Or? Um, I don't know. My answer sort of wavers a bit on this one. It wasn't, certainly wasn't weird. Um, and I think it was more than a cameo. I mean, he, he's playing Reverend Holtz, and I believe he, you know, he's certainly in the books anyway. I haven't read the scripts of the next series, but he's... he's um, He's playing a character, you know, he's not just showing up, he's not just showing up to, to, to show his face and, oh, hey, that's Robin Ellis, the old Ross Poldark or whatever. I mean, we, we were chatting. I'll tell you what was weird, actually. You know, we were when we were doing that scene in the courtroom when, when Ross is, is standing up for, uh, for Jim Carter, we had a chat after the scene. And, uh, and Robin said, like, I remember so well. Like, it was one of those ones I remember like it was yesterday's son. But he, he didn't do a lot of that. But he did say, I remember this scene so well when I was Ross in that courtroom, you know, screaming at another Reverend Hull's character. And I thought that was, that was, that was mind blowing actually. Cause I could imagine what it would be like, you know? So in 40 years time when, yeah. <laughs> when I'm wrapping up and I'll be, I'll be <laughs> Reverend Hulls, you know, it'd be great. <laughs> Complete the circle or, or keep it going, you know? Um, the evolution you, of Pollock. Can, can you tell us a little bit about Ross Pollock? Because he's not, he's not a cookie cutter good guy. He's not the usual gentry. But he's not a bad guy either. He's a no. bit complicated. That's what he? makes him interesting. I think that, that's why he has that resounding effect with an audience and why, why Winston, well, why these books are still around and why we care, why the series is being made again. You know, it's, it's not for a novelty effect that, hey, it happened 40 years ago, let's do it again. Now, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. The books, they, they really stand up alone. Um, and because he writes characters so well, Winston, you know, Ross is somebody who sort of seamlessly just can kind of drift in and out of from the aristocracy and the gentrified figures right down to the, to the proletariat, the working guys in the mines. He can do that easily and he's, res he's respected on every level. And he's somebody, I think, that uh, on, every, on every level, on every class level that he meets, people sort of, they really respect him and, and, and they listen to him because um, he respects them too. And I think that's the big difference. Like he cares as much about anyone as he does about everybody. And that's something that's new. I mean, in many ways, Ross is like he's a really modern man, you know? And I think that's why, not to drift off your, 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 your statement, your question, but with Demel's, I think that's why that relationship blossomed so quickly and why that attraction is there. Was, I think he sees a lot of sort of himself in her and that the outsider figure, somebody who doesn't care. There is no boundaries with love and respect. You know, if somebody's a kind, generous person, that should be 
appreciate it. And Ross can't understand why other people don't do it. You know, it doesn't seem to make sense for him. So, so yeah, there's a lot to Ross. He's he's a complex character. There's a lot to play. He's really layered. He's not just that 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 saintly character. You know giving out coins and bread to the poor and, you know, and going to dances and, or, or balls and, you know, where girls are debuting and, and you know, carted around like chattel and that kind of thing. And he, he's, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot going on. He just can't always express it properly. I mean, that's why he's flawed on so many levels too, you know. He can't always get it out there. And he is quite selfish and I think it comes, in many ways he is. You know, he, he can't express himself properly and he gets angry with that and he'd rather be quite introverted and self-contained and he's not great at collaboration at all. I mean, it's not hard. He could make George Warlegan work for him very well. George just wants to be his friend and he could harness that finance and that money and make his own agenda better, but he doesn't do it because his pride gets the better of him. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's an interesting thing to play. Um, so yeah, so with Ross, I mean, it's one of those characters you play, even after one series, you kind of go, oh, just let me go back, I want to do another one. You know, there's so much there. And there's course, so much to explore. There are two women in his life, too. You mentioned Demelza and, of course, Elizabeth, who yeah. um, threw him over. Um, so it's a bit crowded, really. I mean, how do you...? <laughs> it's a bit crowded. Um, it is, and just, you know, it's funny, just rereading the books three and four lately. Um, there's, there's a lot more of that in it where he, explore, <laughs> where he explores that and it's so interesting because it is like that thing you can't just turn off the love switch and go right well I just don't love you anymore because it's not convenient you know you just you're not working in my life that well so let's knock that off it's still there he still yearns for her in a weird way and when, and when something sort of when, when he defects or something happens in his, in his relationship with Demelza like every chap seems to do he, he can kind of summon emotion, an emotion that's not there or see something in her and decide that I'm going to feel this way about this relationship now. And through that, I'm going to involve Elizabeth again. And, and rereading Jeremy Poldark, the third book, I see a lot of that. You, you know, Winston really questions his relationship with Elizabeth again. There's that scene in the house, and she, I think Demelza is upstairs, and Ross is questioning, what happened when I was in prison that time? Or what did you do? And I'm thinking, what a bastard. Why are you asking her that? Don't say that to her. She's been all right. Nothing's happened, we've seen it. But, but he doesn't, and, and he skips down and he helps Elizabeth clean up and you kind of think, what are you doing, man? Like, where's your head at? Um, and you don't know, and again, it takes a little bit to figure out, even though it's plain and you sort of understand on an emotional level what he's doing, totally understand it, but it's still, there's a bit of digging and it's, and it's fun to figure out. Again, a testament, I think, to Winston, but um, yeah, so it's a credit relationship, certainly, but... Um, but it's fun to explore it. There's such different women and I can understand it. I can see where he's coming from. They're so different and so amazing and brilliant and beautiful in, in so many ways independently. Um, I can understand the, the dilemma he's in. Well, this is, I mean, that the whole relationship throughout the, the books and the series, it's so rich and it is a great saga. I mean, you do have this big span of, there's a lot going on aside from Ross and Demelza and Elizabeth, is that, you know, and one of the things, of course, that you, you spoke on earlier is the war leggings. So you've got to have yeah. a villain. Yeah. So, you know, how does Ross deal with that? Again, it comes back to that, that sort of character trait. You know, we say every time it's brought up that Ross is this sort of, he's, like, he's the good sort of moral guy. Every time I hear that, I kind of think of all these other flaws or faults or, or cracks in, in, in his in his disposition and his character that come out. And it's something you'll never really quite understand because it seems like he enjoys in some ways that, that, um, that, that sort of 
the cross and that relationship he has with, with George? Because he sees that George is trying. Yeah, I think he understands. George isn't a person that he'd like to hang out with. We can all understand why. I can see he's not a, you know, a chap you're going to call up and go, hey, you want to go for a pint? He's, he's not for me anyway, for some people possibly, even if there isn't a hidden, hidden agenda of, of, of financial uh, back end on it somewhere. But he makes, he makes a real point to be a little bit cold and nasty to him because he knows it's going to upset George. George just wants to be in the gang. He's new money. It's all happened. He's, he's, a, he's a son of a blacksmith, you know, an illiterate blacksmith. And George wants to be Ross. He wants to be in Ross's gang. And Ross knows that. And Ross just doesn't want to have it. Ross would rather be broke and be the leader of the gang than to have somebody in that could be influential. Again, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know where, where I would lie in that. I, I could be corrupted quite easily, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so it's, that's why it's an interesting sort of thing to play out. But, um, yeah, and it gets interesting with George in the next few books as well. He's a great character, and, and um, Jack Farthing plays him real well. Right. And, uh, you know, you were mentioning we have the finance. There's, of course, there's the tin mining, and all of this is central to Cornwall, mm. which is a big part of the story. It's a huge part of the story, yeah. I didn't... Yeah, I mean, I, oh, it was one of those things, not to cut you off there, but it was... Um, we, we shot, when we shot Poldark, we were in Bristol um, shooting the interiors for like six weeks or something. And, uh, and I, I just, you know, it just came alive when we went out of the studio. Obviously, we were invested in what we were doing and we knew where we were going to go and we had our arcs and we were, you just know these things when you've read the script hundreds of times, you just know where you're going to, you have a sense of where you're going to go with the character and stuff. But it really came alive. Like, there's nothing like getting out there, scenes that even in your head you can't imagine what they're going to be like until you're on a horse out in, in the wilderness in Cornwall or on the side of a cliff somewhere on Bodmin Moor or wherever it might be in, in St. Justin. And it just, you don't have to do anything. It just does it for you, you know. It's so dramatic. I kind of wish in some ways we had started that way. I mean, this year we're doing, a, we're doing the opposite season. We're going to do, I think last, when we shot it last time, it was like March to, March to September or April to September. Now we're doing like September to April. Um, so we're starting with location first for light and weather and all those kind of things. I kind of wish we had it done that first in some ways because it just opened the show up. You know, it really did. I just go, oh God, I get it now. I get what this is. I get the language. I get the emotion. I get the genre. I get everything. I get this character. I get other people because I can see it. Um, and it makes sense. It just seemed to fall into place when we did that. But then there's something sort of insular and, and um, contained about a lot of the, uh, the interior shooting, especially in the powerhouse and stuff with Demelza that all, that all made a lot of sense too. But um, I know, I'm trying to get back to what you were saying. But yeah, but it, anyway, uh, and people say as well, they talk about a location being a character in itself, you know, and I always thought that was really cheesy. <laughs> I thought that's such a cop-out. You can say that about any location, you know, oh, it's a character because it really made, yeah, I'm right, but essentially that's what it's going to do anyway. It's there. It's a fact, but, but really, like if Cornwall is, I mean, it's so much a part of the story, the, 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 the guttural emotion um, and the drama in Cornwall is, 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 is stunning, as stunning as the, yeah. What was the most challenging thing about filming this? Um, and again, I keep saying this, but we did speak about this before as well. I just need to say it so I don't feel like I'm repeating myself so much. But, uh, <laughs> but it was like, it's those weird things that come up. Like, I just, I was petrified of a, like people talk about, you talk about, are you you're scared about playing an, an iconic character or, or anything like that? And, and it, I was just petrified of it getting sick because I thought if I get ill, I'm screwed. Like if I jump off 
the horse one day and just go rank on an ankle. I'm like, oh dear, I can't work now for three weeks. And we just got to shut down production. The crew go away and probably don't get paid and have to show we're going to lose people. And that's a nightmare. And that's only a rolled ankle. I mean, if, if something happens, I'm, I'm, that, that scared me because I thought I can't, there's no, I can't ensure myself emotionally for that to happen. I can't, there's no, there's nothing I can do to stop that happening. I'm careful and I will be, but that scared me. Um, just this sort of the, the delicacy of, of, of oneself when you're out doing that and you're committing to a role and, you know, you're on a horse and you're doing a thing or you're just working a job for six months and you're training and everything. You, people get sick all the time and I didn't. I one day getting food poisoning because I had a dodgy sandwich and that nearly derailed me for the bloody whole thing. And I got over it and I wouldn't mind. It was a day when the press yeah. came as well. I was oh. just like, I'm, just, I'm not speaking to anybody. <laughs> I was such a drama queen. It was awful. Um, but that scared me, but that was it. Um, so that was the, the hardest part was trying to just maintain it. Just stay on this thing. Stay on this juggernaut, yeah. I mean, we, we touched a little bit earlier too about how there is, there has been the pole dark effect, they call it. I mean, What's tourism's that been up 70% since the show in Cornwall. Right. Uh, pole dark, uh, the, the prime minister of, Eng of Britain was called Poldark was, they, they said, oh, he's like Poldark riding in on his horse. So it was even mentioned in Parliament. And there's been um, a lot of attention about your physique throughout the show, which, you know, we got a bit of, bit of eye candy there. Drop the bottle over here. <laughs> Sara, you dropped your book. <laughs> so how are, you, how are you coping with all that fuss and interest? Um, I don't care. <laughs> Um, I, that's not, I'm not being smart, it, it just, it doesn't affect me. Um, it's nice, like the show, be, the show being successful and, and we worked really hard, everybody, we had a, an amazing team, um, an, an incredible team on this show and, and just the fact that we struck a chord with an audience and, and it seems like people liked it, uh, most people really liked the show, people who tuned in liked it. Um, that was it, that was everything for me, that was, that was the main thing. Um, the rest of it just doesn't, it's just kind of, I don't, it just doesn't do anything. I mean, I'm not dodging a, a question. Like, it's weird, yeah, walking into a news agent and seeing, you know, photographs and stuff. And you kind of go, oh, shit, that's me, look at that. But that's it, it just kind of stops there. There's no more you can do with it, you know? You can, well, you just can't do anything with that. It's, it's, it's nothing, it's sort of, it's, it's an empty vessel. So, it just burning calories and any of that stuff and worrying about it. Being aware of it's fine, it'd be, be stupid not to, but, but it just doesn't serve me, so. So it doesn't bother me. I mean, you mentioned that you're, you're starting up season two. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of material left. There's 12 books, I think six of which have not been filmed at all yet. That was, they came after the, the last series ended. So could you see yourself going through to the end? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's sure. I mean, it's a hard, a hard question to ask. So many things need to be in the right place. I mean, for, for what we've achieved on the, on, on the series, we, we've just shot the team that's in place. You know, having Mammoth and Debbie and, and the BBC behind us like they are and everyone in Cornwall and, and just the cast that we have. And there's so many people need to be committed to the show to make it as good as it has been. Um, you pull one or two of them out, it's probably not the same show anymore. If it's not replaced in the same way or if it doesn't work the same way and people don't evolve in the Poldark world in the same way. So it's a hard question to answer. Um, of course, you'd like to say yes, but, but it's, it needs to be as good. The, the bar is high now and it can't, be, it can't, it can't lower. Um, and if it lowers, I guess it's over. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I hope it's. Uh, I hope the next series is as successful. The one that we're going to do, that we're that we're booked to do, and we're we're available to do, is is as successful as the next one. Yeah.
Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, this version sticks a lot closer to the original books than the last series did, the, the Robin Ellis series. Right. Have you had any reaction from Winston Graham's family or any, any of the... Um, yeah, yeah, Andrew, Andrew Graham, um, and Winston's son, and, and Peggy Graham, uh, Winston, uh, Andrew's wife, have been incredibly supportive and have been around for the entire process. Um, they're wonderful people and they're supportive um, and they've been great, really, really brilliant. Um, so yeah, they've, they've, been a, they've been a constant um, energy for, 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 the whole, for the whole series. And I know they've worked closely with, with Debbie um, and, and Mammoth, and, and it's been very inclusive and supportive. Uh, and I get lovely emails from time to time, you know, really, really sweet emails from the both. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have that support. It's important, actually, yeah. And did you do a lot of risk? Because Winston Graham was a um, historian. He, it was all very accurate in the books. Did you end up doing a lot of research on your own? Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of, I would like to say you have to, you don't have to do anything. Um, you, but yeah, it's the, it's the fun bit, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I was talking about this today doing press and stuff, and people seem slightly surprised when you go, yeah, I, I did some research on it, actually. I mean, I wanted to find out what Cornwall was like at the time, and you'd go down a mine and find out about stuff that you would never look up, like like mining techniques in, in, at the time in, in, in the late 1700s. And I would never check that stuff out if I wasn't doing this show. It just would never happen. I wouldn't be interested, and if it came upon me, I'd just go, oh, I just don't care about that. But because I'm invested in the show, it obviously means an awful lot. Um, and it is interesting, and I am invested and engaged in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of that stuff matters. It's just funny how you get on these searches. I mean, with the internet now, it's not like you, you get a stack of books and you start and you get through them. You just, I find I'm, I sort of have the thing anyway. I just get bored very quickly, so I'll just be looking at something, and it might be like mining techniques and uh, at the time and you might get onto a more modern one and then I'm looking at photographs, Avedon photographs of, 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 of um, miners you know in, in, in Cardiff in, in the 1900s and then suddenly you're onto from photographers you're onto and you just the search continues and 20 minutes later you go I'm here now and I started over there and it just it's it's massive sort of span of, of information from all sorts of avenues you're getting so that's what's great about the net uh, in that sense, because it's immediate and it's quick, and you can sort of suffice this, um, you know, that yearning for, for, for that sort of education quickly, instead of kind of the academic way of sitting down and getting through something um, and sticking with it, even though you might be distracted. I let my distraction sort of take me on that route when it's going. It's not like school, it's great. <laughs> um, I believe we're going to have some questions from ah. the floor now. Hi, um, I was wondering if anybody. Um working on the show consulted any professional historians about um, you know whether or not we're doing this right if there were if there were historians on the show that we consulted with um, <laughs> the, yes yeah, yeah there were people around I mean we're lucky we have we have a great team I mean Karen Thrussell and Damien Timmer and Debbie Horsfield I mean th these are really really smart brilliant people um, who care about this show a lot and care about um, everything we do uh, and if anything is ever questionable which happens from time to time, of course. I mean, it could be anything, like even picking out a bit of rock or going, how did they spot a vein of copper and what was done then and how was gunpowder loaded in? It's, yeah, I mean, all of that is considered. It's funny, actually, you should say that because, you know, as an actor, sometimes you walk on and you just expect when your director or whoever it might be can show you how to do something, you just go, oh, yeah, oh, cool, yeah, that's fine. That's what I thought. But you forget that, yes, actually, someone had to really, you can't get that stuff wrong. You can't get it wrong. Um, there's no room for mistakes. When it's shot, it's shot and it goes out and that's it. Um, so yeah, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of people who, who care deeply about, about, about stuff like that and it's important they do and, and we all trust they do too because sometimes 
either you don't have the time or you might miss something, so you need somebody else to pick up the pieces. And what we were talking about earlier, just having a really good team in place, that's really important. And I think it's, um, it's a testament to the success of this show. I mean, at every sort of level, it seems that we had, we had the right people who, who, um, who were doing the right thing. You know, everything from casting directors, finding the right people to play these, you know, and we have a brilliant cast. And yeah, um, so yeah, ab absolutely. But we're lucky, as I said, like the guys at Mammoth and the BBC are really kind of, they're, they're on that kind of stuff, you know. Um, as a good Irishman, you have a literary tradition to uphold as well as a cinematic one. And I noticed that most of the projects you've done have been based on books. So do you find that that it gives you a little bit more of an anchor? And do you find yourself needing to read the books beforehand? Or, uh, I don't know about, you know, reading all of The Hobbit <laughs> and the Lord of the Rings or whatever. But, uh, or do you find that you don't want to read them because it might color or prejudice your, char your characterization? Good question. I think, I think for me, well, certainly with literature, I mean, it's, it's different for me. I know I talked about watching the 70s version with, with, of Poldark with Robin Ellis, and that's slightly different for me to any kind of to piece of literature I might read on, on a screenplay or, or a movie or a TV show. Um, because I'm, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to emulate, I don't want to copy the, the, um, the other performer. I don't want to nick bits of, of his research and what he's been doing. And that's what I'm conscious of because, as I said before, once you know something, it's hard to unknow it. It's hard to go, okay, I can see where, where I might fall into that trap. So I'll try and not do that while I'm trying to be real on set. It's just too difficult. So not knowing stuff like that, not seeing a performance can sometimes be easier. I mean, look, how many Shakespeare plays do you see in actors? I mean, it's important that you'd see other people do it to see where the bar is. So it, it's not always, it's, 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 there's no sort of, there's no right way or wrong way of doing it. It's just whatever you feel at the time. I didn't feel like it would, it would necessarily help me doing this particular project. Um, yeah. Yeah, Secret Scripture, Sebastian Barry's. Yeah, absolutely vital for me to read that. I mean, it would never have would have been odd for me. It would have felt really like I was missing something if I didn't have, hadn't read the book. Um, yeah, of, of course. It's it's an interesting question. I don't know. I think every project is different. I think it's whatever you feel. It's such an instinctual job. I think you got to go with your gut. I think you know some of the best actors, you know, sort of do that. I think you can have structure and you can have a template of how you work and that's fine, but you need to be able to sort of bend that sometimes. And if you don't feel that, if you have a feeling like, I don't think I should do this thing. I, don't, I, I think six weeks training, doing this thing, meeting the guys, hanging out with the director, getting to know these actors, might not be a good thing. You might have done it for another movie and it might, work. it might not be the best thing to do. And if you feel that, then don't go with it. I, it's a tough one. I think every job is different. And again, it's not a cop-out answer, but I, I think it is. If I felt ever that there was, I mean, with The Hobbit, for instance, I mean, I've talked about it before. Um, you know, I had plenty of time. I knew I was going to meet uh, Peter Jackson and I was going to go in the room. It's this tiny book you do in a weekend. I knew I was going to do it. I just went, I don't think I want to do this. For whatever reason, it wasn't just pure laziness. I mean, I wasn't that busy. I was just going to... I just don't think I want to do it. That I, 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 I was the right thing to do for some reason because I walked in and he was just so shocked that I hadn't read it. He got over it in a second, but he said, have a seat and I'll tell you how it goes. And 45 <laughs> minutes later, I mean, he's reading Smaug, he's telling me bits, he's being Bilbo. And I'm sitting there going, holy shit, I think I have this part. I mean, there's no way he would do this. Um, and it just seemed to work. I mean, you know, it's, there is no theory for it. Um, it just, you sort of go with your gut on, on, on some things. And, if you feel it will help you and get you through it. I mean, maybe I felt as well, I mean, that genre for The Hobbit, for instance, and not diverting your question, but it, it uh, you know, it wasn't, I think I was, I felt so sort of, um, 
I felt like I knew so little about it that reading The Hobbit just wouldn't inform me enough to get this job. So I better go in there with my own gusto and, and moxie and just see what happens. You know, connect with the director and see does he get something from it. And I thought maybe reading the book I would just get distracted, try and pretend I knew more than I did about Tolkien, which I didn't know anything. Hadn't seen, you know, I hardly watched the Rings movies, I forgot half of them. And I thought it would just distract me, so I didn't do it. Um, so do you know what I mean? It's that, it's that sort of thing. Um, but to be honest, apart from that one endeavor, I've, yeah, I think reading the books have probably been, been a benefit for me. Hello. Hi. Um, so you played major roles like John Mitchell and other characters like Keeley. Have you ever been afraid that you would kind of go back to that character and accidentally start acting like them, <laughs> if that makes sense? I don't know. Like you would revert life. back to the... I'm moving oh over this way. So don't kill people, please. <laughs> like John Mitchell. <laughs> oh do, you mean, do you mean like I might go back <laughs> having played a character like, like Mitchell or... or, or um, yeah, or like, like small things they would do, you would accidentally do that for Poldark, even though that's not oh, yeah, his yeah, character. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, yeah, but there's small things you think about as well. I mean, like, with, yeah, you know... You don't want to emulate, you don't, you don't want to copy stuff you've done before and, and, and you want to try and make it different and I guess, you know, you can be a creature of habit, habit sometimes and when you're unsure about something and you fall back in the safety net of something you might know and being human was a very early job for me so a lot of, there was a lot of instinct was used in that, you know, uh, when we were rehearsing and shooting things I just went on my own thing. And, and, and I want to see where I was going with it. And yeah, I know what you mean. Maybe you might play a character now where you kind of go, you catch yourself and go, Jesus, that's a real Mitchell thing. I do know what you mean. Um, but I think it's important I choose jobs kind of carefully um, that, that I, I, uh, if there is a very close, if I see a close tie between, you know, one character and one I've played before, um, you know, I might steer clear of it, I suppose, or if I feel I can't do something that's very different. For that purpose, I wouldn't, because it just wouldn't excite me enough. If I see a line that's too close to something I've done before, it just wouldn't interest me enough to, to, to respond to the script, I guess, or something. I mean, I want to keep changing things and making them different. Um, I'm feeling different. I want to feel different every time I play a role. I don't want to feel like Mitchell again. I want to feel different about something. So I guess I hope that wouldn't come up. Uh, but I think it's a good question, though, yeah, I mean, you can be lazy. Yeah, laziness happens all the time. Instinctually, I think, you know, I probably am. I fall back on stuff. If I don't understand a scene or I'm not getting what I want from it, it's easy just to cheat and do something that comes easy to me naturally. But, you know, that's not why I'm in it. So I, don't, I try to fight it. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, so my question about, is about um, Poldark and um, this inner conflict that you mentioned earlier where he sort of has feelings both for Demelza and for Elizabeth. Um, in the book, it's a huge conflict. Um, he sort of um, uh, kind of swings it this way, then he swings that way. He loves her, no, he loves her more. Um, in the first series, um, I thought that towards the end, you know, Poldark swung pretty hard one way toward Demelza which I loved because I love Demelza and I love Eleanor Tomlinson as Demenza. She's amazing. Um, is this something that's kind of is going to be getting course corrected in the second series? Like, is he going to be, are we going to be seeing more? Are you looking more? for spoilers? That's what you're getting at. I mean, there, you know, the books are out there. This is not. Um, so is this something that is kind of, are we gonna, you know, should I prepare myself for a... 
Okay. You tell me, you've read the books. Um, I think love is a very complex thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, many years have passed from, from Ross returning, finding Demelza, when we're into the third book and the fourth book, years have passed uh, in their relationship. Things have changed and things have opened up. Opened up, you know. They've they've lost a child. I think losing Julie has been been a huge effect on Ross, and and I think we'll see that, um, you know, in the second series and 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 and, and more. Uh, we see it in the in the third and fourth book. Certainly, you know, it, it's had a massive effect on him. And Ross is somebody who's not great at articulating himself emotionally. I don't think he even understands how he feels, and he might blame. He doesn't see it clearly in himself, so he doesn't know what to do with that. He's confused by it too, and he blames other things. Maybe his relationship with Francis, or he might blame, you know, Carnmore on something, when in fact, you know, as, a, as an audience or as, as a reader, um, we kind of see more clarity in that. We can see the reasons why. Certainly I can feel the reasons why, why, why he might feel the way he feels. I don't know if he can. Um, Look, I don't know. Love, love is weird. It changes, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's odd. I mean, you, you want the thing you, you can't have sometimes, you know? I think he, he, he makes... We see it in the third book, certainly, as well. I mean, he's sort of... I feel like he's grabbing at something. He's trying to make his relationship difficult. It's almost like there's some... Uh, he's getting something out of almost the death of Juliet. You know, the, the, he's, the way that relationship has changed slightly... He's running with that more so than he should be. I mean, it's, it's so complex. It, it, it's so deep. And there's so many layers in that. Um, and again, that's why it's such a brilliant story. There's so much there. It's not just cut and dry. And it's not with Elizabeth either. You know, it's not with her feelings. Um, so it's hard, but I think that keeps it interesting because it feels real to me. You, again, you just don't flick an off button for love. It's not like, hey, well, it doesn't work out with you, so don't love you anymore. It's got to be still there. And if his relationship wavers with Demelza, naturally he's going to turn back to somebody that he's known since he was 15, you know? It kind of makes sense to me. Um, and it's great. I love that because it's, it, it's turmoil. It's real emotion, you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's hard to... It's hard when you're going through it yourself, I guess, but, but yeah, I mean, it's not supposed to be easy, is it? Hi, great Hi. to see you in New York. Thanks. Um, there were a lot of skills that you had to learn to do The Hobbit. Were there any skills that you had to learn for the Poldark books? Hey, skills. Um, what sort of skills did I have to learn? Scythe. <laughs> you had to learn to scythe. Oh, God. Well, I got that wrong. You just said, Carol said I had to learn how to scythe. Yeah, I, I blew that one, apparently. Um, my technique was totally wrong. Um, yeah, well, horse riding was a big thing. I mean, Ross is... I a lot of things. I keep saying the horse riding thing. It seems obvious. Yeah, there's a lot of things. I mean, the accent was an important thing for me because it's not just that gentrified, posh British accent and that RP received pronunciation um, dialect. Uh, there was a quite a specific thing that I was after. Whether I executed it or not, I don't really know. Um, but it's, I wanted to sort of flatten his, the, the O sounds in certain parts that he didn't sound so, he didn't sound as posh. Or as, or as gentrified as, as, as Warlegan or, or, as, or as Francis or some of the other characters. But then I've, I have to be careful too, being Irish, that some of the flatter sounds don't just sound like, hey, you're just making a ballsier accent, mate, you know? And, and it was subtle. Um, and sometimes it was better than other times, but, uh, but that was something I wanted to make him, because that was the cross, that seamless thing we're talking about between the classes. I wanted him to sound gentrified, because he went to public school, he is educated, it's, it's an ancient family name. 
he would sound like that, but I think he's the kind of guy who doesn't like the way he sounds. But you can always change the way you sound. It's just, that's you. And he's not the type of person that would do it anyway. So again, it's those subtleties. And you know, that, that wasn't a guideline in Winston's books or, or, or Debbie's adaptation, but the, you just get it from good writing. It just, it resounds with me. From the first time I read it, I thought, this is gonna be a thing. I'm gonna need to get right. You know, if you sound sort of like this and you have a thing, you're just, people aren't going to attach themselves to this character, but you need to keep it in that real world. And so finding that voice was important for me. Um, and I was lucky I had weeks to do it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just, just a lot of work and a lot of work on it and just flattening sounds and doing different things. And his posture riding the horse was a thing as well. You know, I just wanted him to be a certain way. He was, he's, he's been riding since he was a kid and it comes naturally, but I didn't want it to be too kind of, you know, uh, too forced but then again it is technique so it's just balance all the time that's so finite there's such a tiny nuance between overdoing something and just underplaying it and getting it wrong um, so all of those kind of things were important for me and they were challenging but they were fun they were fun to do it and when you get it right and you feel it's right and you're in that zone it's kind of nice if you're achieving something um, so there's all those things I guess what else did I do I don't know other things too <laughs> Um, I guess that's all we have time for. Thank you so much, Aidan Turner, for Thanks your for time. Thanks for coming out. Cheers.